Hey everyone, Christian here with another quick pre-episode announcement. First off, wanted to thank everyone who told us how much they enjoyed our Ask the Once and Future Nerd episode at the end of chapter one. Uh, Everyone who contacted us had something positive to say, so we're going to extrapolate that everyone either enjoyed the episode or at least uh, didn't hate it enough to shoot off a disgruntled tweet. So we're happy to announce that we're going to keep doing those at the end of every chapter. Uh, Second, I want to take this opportunity to once again thank everyone who is supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Thanks to your generosity, we are starting to approach the point where Zach and I are no longer losing money each chapter to produce the show. Um, Costs vary a bit from chapter to chapter, uh, but in the interest of transparency, I'll say that around uh, $250 per episode is a pretty safe average for uh, studio time, food for the actors, printing costs, etc. And right now we see about $175 per episode after Patreon and PayPal take their uh, very reasonable cuts. Um, But if we get to $250 per episode on Patreon. Um, As a thank you to everyone, our Ask the Once and Future Nerd episodes will become live video hangouts that we will post to YouTube or something after they're complete. Um, We are really, really excited about that prospect. We hope you are too. So if you are in a position to do anything to help us over that hump, it would be tremendously appreciated. Okay, uh, now here's What Used to Be Enough Part 2. Enjoy. The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 2 What Used to Be Enough Part 2 by Ian Harkins, Christian T. Kelly Madeira and Gregory M. Schultz With little to be done as our party awaited Brennan's decision, Billy and Nelson had taken to practicing their swordsmanship at the camp outside Freehold. Look, dude. My parents are literally experts on this. Yeah, on Earth. What if we're missing something here? There's no way that every single orc is so evil that they gotta shoot kids. You sure you're not making this too much about you? No, like you're not... If it looks like a genocide, and quacks like a genocide, you don't just wait and see what's up. But what if we make things worse by getting in the way? Gentlemen? Hey, 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 wait up, wait up, wait up, wait up, wait up, wait up. Yes? Okay, okay. You got a minute? Yes, but just. Jen is alone, trying to medicate you-know-who. Gala didn't help her. Okay, we've... We've been talking, you know, because of everything, and... Maybe you can clear this up. What do you know for an objective, scientific fact is different between humans and orcs? You mean aside from the many reports of savagery? 
I think you could pick the right pieces of anyone's history and make them seem savage. So, yeah, aside from that. Well, it is true that in antiquity, both humans and orcs lived in a brutish state of near-constant war, amongst themselves as often as betwixt each other. But our ancestors had it in their nature to come together for a greater good, to learn a common language, to see the wisdom of the concordates, and generally to treat with each other in a civilized manner. This was not true of the orcs. Maybe the orcs just had it worse under the elves, so it wasn't worth rolling over. My ancestors did not roll over, Nelson. Under the elven peace, these realms have enjoyed 3,000 years of stability, which, Galadin helped me, I've been asked to help break. Aren't there, like, four civil wars going on right now? Of course there's been conflict, but it's chivalrous now. No longer does a losing clan face total annihilation, and there are the countless elven technologies and magics from which we've benefited during the peace. You do still shit outside, though. Where would you prefer we shit? What, what he's trying to say, I think, is that 3,000 years is actually a really long time to still be, you know, fighting wars with horses and castles. Maybe the elves are holding you back. Uh, if you boys would like a history lesson, I can refer you to some excellent books. But then, I ought to see to Jen. No offense, Nia, but that doesn't really answer my question. What's different between humans and orcs that no one could possibly argue about? Or is, it, is, there, is, is there anything? Well... Skin and eyes, I suppose. What's up with their skin and eyes? Their skin is an ashen gray, and their eyes can be anywhere from the yellow of bile to the red of blood. Uh, Sorry, uh, that's it? Cannot the scales of a serpent betray the potency of its venom? Nia, I can't believe you... They're evil because they look different? It could be the other way round. Some foul or vicious behavior that creates the appearance. Do you not hear yourself? You sound like such a hypocrite. In what way have I contradicted myself? I think he means because you're both, you know, black. What? What does that mean? Well, like your skin. My skin? What's black about it? It's a shade of brownish tan, I suppose. Lighter than Nelson's and darker than Sir Brennan's. Jesus. Nia... Where I'm from, anyone who looks like you or me, our skin is the first thing people notice. Yes. Well, it does cover most of our bodies. No, no. I I mean, people assume stuff about us. Well, it would be fair to assume our ancestors came from warmer climes. Yeah, but that's not not what I mean. It's like, you know, it... Okay, you're not smart, you're lazy. mm -mm, No, nobody asked you. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that's what people think. Some people. But that's absurd. You don't see how that's the same as what you're saying about the orcs? If you went around and looked at all of our palms and lips, you'd see all of us share the pink of vitality and health, which the orcs lack. All of us, that is, assuming Regan has not murdered Jen by now. Yeah, man, I'm actually kind of worried about that. Maybe we can talk to Nia more later for Jen's sake? All right, fine. Just think about one thing for me, Nia. Would the elves be anywhere near as powerful as they are right now without the orc gems? I don't know, Nelson. But the more docile orcish tribes work in the mines and trade their gems to the Tarlow Heel, so there's an argument against widespread slaughter. What do they trade for? 
Just because I do not have every answer you seek does not necessarily mean that you are right. Now, if that's all... She nodded curtly to the boys and then strode off. Should we... keep training? Nelson glared at Billy. What? Fucking Fox News over here. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, by Regan's sickbed... Regan, goddammit, just drink the goddamn tea. No, I hate it. By now, perhaps you can, listener. Imagine Regan's displeasure towards being nursed as a convalescent by her comrades. What are you, five? Yeah, five fingers deep in your mom. For those of you already well-versed in the art of storytelling, you may recognize that calling it displeasure is what we in the business call understatement. Good afternoon, Your Grace. Oh, good, it's the fucking Temperance Brigade. Doing especially well, I see. Regan's health had not miraculously improved in the two days since her near encounter with immolation, but her spirits had, well, plummeted, as you can plainly hear. You still running a cloister, or can I have a goddamn drink yet? Your Grace, the herbs will speed the healing. Strong drink will hamper it. If you would heed... I ain't gonna heed a thing from someone who has to fake it even when she fucks her own hand. Regan, please listen to us. Listen to you? You? Oh, let's think through that one, shall we, Sunshine? If I listened to you, the elves would know who I am. If I listened to you, we would have put ourselves straight in the hands of those motherfucking butchers. For all I know, if I listened to you, I'd been marching with them instead of watching. Is that it? Am I forgetting any other great places your council would have put me? Jen looked stung, but offered no reply. Just because her advice was not proven right does not mean it was bad advice or ill-given. Now may I change your bandage? No, it fucking hurts. That's why you're supposed to drink the tea. Fuck a tea. Will you stop being such a baby? In her frustration, Jen grabbed Regan's wrist to unwrap the bandage. I need hardly tell you, this was a misstep. For with a speed forged through honed instinct and practice, Regan had spun around, grabbed Jen's arm, and pulled a small concealed dagger out from somewhere on her person. This despite the cast on her dominant arm and the bandages on the opposing hand. Regan held the polished blade between them, wincing through her pain but holding steady. Regan, you don't ever put a finger you want to keep on me in anger. That's my bad. Let's just... Put that weapon away, you fool! This, coming from Nia, shocked both Jen and Regan out of their stalemate. Come again? Speaking freely here, your grace, for someone who swears disdain for all manner of pomp and pretense, you are perhaps the most prideful person I've ever met. You dare call me vain for fretting about scars, yet you refuse to acknowledge your own. And I don't mean the ones on your body. You'd rather wound your friends than admit you are wounded. I don't have friends, and this is the fuck why. Refusing to acknowledge friends is not the same as not having them. That young woman you've seen fit to bear steel at? Despite your abuses and insults, I've seen her confide in you, counsel you in good faith, fight by your side, and keep herself up at night, navigating the confoundingly precarious politics of holding your confidence while still minding your well-being. That is a friend. Regan did not yet let up, but her eyes flicked over to Nia more than she might have allowed at her most composed. And somehow, she is the best friend you have. 
If you cannot see that, then I struggle to imagine your reign lasting more than a few weeks. So please, in the name of whatever it is you respect, put the blade away. For a moment all was quiet. Regan's breathing slowed and her eyes stilled. And then she flipped her knife back to its unseen pocket and at last released her grip on Jen. Happy? Not nearly. Well, I guess that's too... I believe an apology is in order. Are you shitting me? I am certainly not. What are you, my fucking school mom? It's a saying my parents were fond of. Galadin rules alone. All other kings hold court. So let's examine the standing of your court, shall we? Your best tracker and archer has run off, probably after overhearing you swear to dismember him. You have exactly one knight, whom you've backed into an impossible corner. You've nearly stabbed your closest confidant and best mage and healer, and you've royally pissed off your second best mage and healer. This is not a path to prosperity, victory, or effective governance. And I promise you, by merely uttering the words, I'm sorry, you will not spontaneously burst into flames. I shouldn't have drawn on you, Jen. It's fine. I'm sorry, okay? I'm over it. What do you want from me? If someone threatened you with a knife, would you accept mere words by way of an apology? What then? Lick her ass? I think you should surrender your weapons. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right is right. No fucking way. It would be a show of good faith to all of us. Nia, I swear I don't have patience for this shit. Well, I do. And I am not in pain. Ugh! Fuck you and your religious fucking conviction. Fine. Find me some brandy, and I'll give you all my ranged weapons. And combustibles. And blades over six inches. Nine inches, and you leave me the bottle. No. You can have one sip every two hours. Five sips every six hours, and I decide what a sip is. In return, you get every weapon that's currently outside of my body. Very well. If only because I shudder to legislate the particulars of the last condition. Better hop to it. Come along, Jen. We shall return once Her Majesty has decided to comport herself in a more becoming manner. Nia gave the smallest curtsy that etiquette would permit a clerical acolyte to give a queen, then left. Jen made no such gesture. In fact, as soon as she was certain the queen's eyes were closed, Jen made a rather different sort of gesture in Regan's direction before also walking out. Though he had ridden hard to return to the White Forest as quickly as possible, Yiluin now found himself in want of the will to open his parents' door. But when he looked back over his shoulder in the direction of Freehold, he remembered the bridges burned there. Yiluin's been lying to our faces all this time while his buddies murder children. Yeah, while crying mothers watched. If it was up to me, I'd cut his cock off and feed it to him. That's metaphorical bridges, not literal. Indeed, if Yiluin had gone around freehold committing arson, I'm not sure there would be much room for redemption in his particular story. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, with queasy guts and reddening cheeks, the young elf put his hand on the door, stealing himself for what awaited him inside. <sighs> with an unnecessarily tremendous creak, as was its wont, the massive door swung open. As it did, the once still home came to life as servants sprung from their beds to care for the unexpected guest. Please let my parents know I've arrived. Yiluin handed his pack to a passing servant, watching as she walked towards the living quarters. 
Yellowin? Yellowin looked up to see his father, Bartloil, coming down the stairs. Greetings, my sire. You must forgive me for arriving at so late an hour. Yellowin knelt to greet his father in the traditional manner. Oh, child, stand. There is no need for that. Bart grabbed his son's arm to help him up. But after how we... All of that is in the past now, dear child. Although House Gwenetol is without a successor, it is clear Sir Brennan remains a great asset in the realms of men. You were wise beyond your years to see that. Ah, yes. Well, about Sir Brennan... And you should have known to retrieve me right away. Just then, Yellowin's mother, Winlodik, emerged from the hall towards the living quarters, berating a servant. At the sight of her child, Win's mood appeared to change. Eloin, our warrior has returned. The battle at Freehold has been the talk of the wood these past few days. Sire, my deepest apologies for disturbing you so late in the night. Oh, nonsense, my dear child. You've represented our name and family well. There is no need to apologize for being here. But, thank you. I I was so worried after our last discussion that you would not have me back. Let us go and sit and you can recount the battle to us. Yiluin finally allowed himself to relax in his parents' home, and in doing so found he was quite tired from the strain of the ride. He followed his father towards the parlor with his mother close behind. Would you like anything to eat, Yiluin? No, thank you. I'd just as soon- I'll ring for Ruby. Now as to the battle, we've been dying to hear. Ah, yes. Well, the story in fact begins when Lord Commander Rilotit sought Sir Brennan out as he left the wood. As it happens, she actually- Ruby! That blasted girl grows lazier each day. It's quite all right, sire. I could scarcely eat a thing. Nonsense. We pay enough to feed and house her. Ruby! There you are. Have you gone deaf, girl? Bring meat and wine for Eloine. The mortified-looking human servant girl bowed her head low and scampered out of the room as frantically as she had entered. I do declare the help these days. Shall I have her whipped? If she did not understand the first two times, I doubt a third would make the difference. Amidst this exchange, Eloine searched his parents' faces for a hint of compassion towards the pathetic creature they had just berated. He could not rightly say he saw any. Why not trade her with another house? And risk her behavior there, reflecting on how we run our house? I think not. I think we must remind her of the comfort in which her family is permitted to remain. At the mention of the human girl's family, Yellowin could not stop a look of worry from creeping over his face. Anyway, Yellowin, you were saying, what's the matter, dear? Was it the battle? I forget your experience has been limited to skirmishes before. There's no shaming being troubled, you know. But you must remember that the feeling will pass in time and that your actions were right and just. It is not the battle, exactly. Well then, what? You are free to speak your mind under this roof. I'm afraid it would not be my own mind I would be speaking. Just a wild story brought back from a... a memiot soldier. Oh? I sincerely doubt the tall tale, and yet I find myself unable to forget it completely. It involves the killing of a great many orcish prisoners by the Tarlohiu. The briefest of looks passed between Yellowin's parents. 
Relotite is not known for recklessness or wanton cruelty. If she exercised her power of summary execution, which is of course her right, I'm certain she did it with good reason. Yes, of course. It's only... To hear this soldier's gossip, many of these orcs were, well, they appeared as children, and their mothers seemed to care for them as Memyet do. I see. What a peculiar story. Like I said, truly a tall tale if I've ever heard one. For of course, orcs care no more for their relations than they do for their hated foes. Isn't that right? Yes, of course. I'd pay no mind to this wild gossip. The undisciplined rabble of Memiet fighters are known to tell any manner of tale in the wake of battle. I trust this wasn't one of Sir Brennan's men who said this? He seems too noble to allow such talk within his camp. No man of Sir Brennan's said this. Good. Brennan may be our last best hope to restore order to the realms of men. It would be a shame if he suffered such fools in his ranks. Do you know how many men yet have heard this fanciful nonsense? Very few. I'd not have heard it myself, save for our gifts of perception. That is well. Men yet are susceptible to gossip. I must wonder why anyone would lie about such a ghoulish thing. Who can say? Knowing the type as I do, I'm sure this soldier sought to use this lie to advance in some perverse way his own selfish ambitions. Well, I suppose I could believe that. Though it is a relief to hear it said out loud. Forgive me for troubling you. Not at all, child. What must parents do for a child nearly grown besides help him find the path if he's gone astray? The Urk yet really are most different from the Memiet. In a way that renders sympathy misplaced? It is the difference between a lap dog and a rabid wolf. Yes. I do wonder sometimes whether it's quite fair to compare the Memiet to dogs. Maybe not to the dogs. Oh, hush you. <laughs> joking, joking. I, I only mean that, having spent much time among them now, I've seen the Memiet display a tremendous complexity of thought and breadth of passion. Far more than I'd been led to think possible. Yes. Well, it can't be denied that some of them have left a meaningful mark on history here or there. There will always be the odd few who transcend the limitations of their race. Perhaps Sir Brannon is one such. But then, by the same logic, mightn't we expect the rare exceptional orc to be noble enough to love its child and feel the pain of losing its kin? They would love for folks to think that. Yulowin, have you ever heard of the blueback spider? I'm not sure I have. What the blueback spider loves to eat above all else is the common robin. Now you, being schooled in the hunt, might wonder how a beast which crawls on its belly through the muck might prey upon one which flies on the wing through the blessed air. Does it weave a web? Oh, that would have to be quite the web to stop a robin mid-flight. No, my child. When the mother robin is out feeding herself, it crawls into the nest. Mm, and eats the eggs. No, for it cannot digest the shell. It lays on top of them, and this is where its name is telling. On its back is a pattern which, from a distance, resembles the eggs of the robin. By the time the mother is close enough to notice the ruse, 
she is close enough for the spider to strike, and thus is her natural mother and instinct used against her by a vicious predator. Ah, quite devious. And it is thus with the Urquiet. It has always been their goal to convince the Mimiot of the lie that they are more like them than not, and in that they must never succeed. They intend to eat the humans? Well, I don't think they'd rule it out, but that's not what we mean. The taller heel enforce the peace of the Concordats, yes? Of course. And they are the mightiest fighting force in Jordan. Yes, quite. If all the armies of all the Mimiot allied together, which they have never done in recorded history, they would still be hard-pressed to challenge the taller heel. Likewise, this Traff Devil just got more of the Urkia tribes to fight together than ever seen before, and they were routed by the Taller Heel. Thanks in no small part to you, my child. But if the Mimiot were ever fooled into seeing the Urkid as their allies, and Galadon forbid they all fought together... One night of the wood is worth thirty of any other warriors in the realm, but they might be outnumbered fifty, sixty... Even a hundred to one. And then all of this, everything you have come to cherish and depend on, would be in jeopardy. I see. And that is why you must return to your Memiet just as soon as possible. I'm, I must what? You must return at once to stop the spread of this potentially ruinous lie. But I've only just arrived home. Well, this will always be your home, dear. Now set to it. I thought after the strain of battle in the right here, I might rest for... Enter. Oh, you know, I'm not even going to comment on the doors anymore. I'll just let the absurdity speak for itself. Anyway, the serving girl Ruby entered once more, bearing a tray of food far too large for her to comfortably carry. Ah, oh, yes. Yiluin will be taking that on the road. Would you wrap it up? My sires. I fear that in light of recent turmoil, I may no longer have the complete trust of the Memiot. Well, you had better go and get it back quickly. And under the circumstances, I think we must be kept informed of your affair and as often as possible. How shall I do that? We'll think of something. Now, if there's anything you should need from your chambers for the journey, you should go and fetch it. Yilluin's parents stood, as though to politely imply that Yilluin should do the same. Yes, I... Yes. Lacking any other option within the bounds of propriety, Yiluin took their cue. I'll send for David. He can be counted on. Yes, that's for the best. Ah, it would appear Reloteed is getting careless. I must call for a council meeting tomorrow. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Klaas and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. Paul Notice. Juliet Prather. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. Production audio recording by Jared Paul, with second unit recording this chapter by Zach Valenti. 
Editing by Josh Perot. Post-production mixing and sound design by Garrett Schultz. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. Reddit.